everyone. Uh, this is Aram Mukumov, and you're listening to the Product Innovation Show. I'm here with Avadut Bambari, a director of product at Wampley. Uh, he spent uh, three years um, as a lead product manager working at PayPal uh, before this, uh, where he was managing a team of 50 people, a mix of product managers, designers, and developers. Um, thank you so much for coming on our show today. It's, uh, it's a pleasure to have you. Hey, great, great. Thank you, thank you. Thanks a lot for inviting me. I'm so happy and excited to, to, to talk with all of you. Awesome, great. Um, so when we had a chance to connect um, um, previously, you, you shared an interesting story, and I, I love it if you could talk about it uh, with our audience today. So it was a story about pricing, I think, a hard drive, yeah. right? Yeah. Can, you, can you tell us a little bit about that? Uh, sure, sure. Uh, so uh, prior to, uh, in my earlier career, I was at Seagate uh, doing pricing product management there. Seagate is a hard drive company, as we all know, but it's a uh, commoditized product, right? There are, I mean, there are lead players are very low, but it's a hardware product. So literally, uh, people are playing there on the margin, which, uh, I mean, yes, there are always some engineering values and some uh, some unique offering for each uh, uh, product, but it's a skew-based pricing. So essentially, a hard drive that Seagate is offering, in all the technicalities, it is not going to be different than what its competitors are offering, right? So people are, the margins are very thin. So I remember there were, and the pricing discussions used to happen every quarter. They used to revisit with the customers and all. So I remember there was this one, so to say, hard customer that was always kind of thrifty in terms of making the deals and literally we used to uh, negotiate based on like just one cent two cent per skew of course in the in a p and l p and l that would blow out to a good number and margins would be different but no 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 i'm not going to give you 29.93 i want 29.92 and it was so what what we used to say this is like a fish market <laughs> where yeah. we are just literally uh, fighting with each other on cents and pennies. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, pricing is always a, a difficult thing. And were you were you doing that with um with like the product marketing team or was it just just pure like from a pricing no, pure, purely from the pricing team. Uh, I mean, product marketing was more of a stakeholder, but they would come okay. into picture into when it is new launch, go to marketing, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But usual existing product pricing quarterly reviews, those would be more of a functional. Okay, cool, cool. Um, so interesting story. Thanks for sharing. Yeah, I, <laughs> I uh, I've always been curious. How do you price a you know a, a hard drive, especially uh, back then? Um, so my next question I have is, um, you know, you've been working at, you know, companies like PayPal and now at Wampley, um, you know, and you have a few years of experience now managing teams. What have you found during this time um, help really synergize them, you know, between yeah. UX designers, you know, software engineers and product managers? Yeah, yeah great. Uh, my... Uh, it's funny that you asked this. My leadership experience or management experience also has evolved uh, with time. Uh, as I started my career with a startup, there was very less, back in, this two decades ago, um, there was very less 
and of, of course i was a, a recent graduate so i was more into a contributing role rather than out of than that of a leading role but i went to a management consultancy firm and that's where i started leading and the dynamics were there totally different i was leading big teams 50 60 70 people um, in different capacities um, then when i was in us again in the same management role the teams here were much more agile and much more shorter but of course the dynamics of people management were uh, typically different than that of the consultancy world it was focused uh, there were so many great people that you would have in a concentrated skill set so uh, as opposed to a, managing a team of generalists now you are talking to a few people in your team as their leader but they are totally expert and many times they are expert than you so when it comes to the uh, matter of synergizing between them i always keep in mind that whatever are the different challenges in terms of communication in terms of skills in terms of background one thing as a leader i have to make sure that everybody in my team is having a sense of camaraderie they are aligned with the uh, vision or uh, uh, vision or the purpose that we are trying to do for the format it can be short vision like uh specific to okay in this uh, scrum we want to achieve this or it can be okay as a company as a product we want to go there uh, so that that vision and that sense of uh, uh, ownership is always should be there and you should have those synergy between your team teams should be oscillating with each other rather than you know reverberating and all mm-hmm. and so when um w- w- you know when you join wampley um as a uh, as the director of product What were some of like the first things that that you did in order to align the teams? Um so you mentioned vision. What about like um you know, skill set analysis or you know, product road mapping? Um how did you kind of like get into this role? Yeah, with yeah. your team. Uh- yeah wampley wampley role was a great opportunity the supervisor here uh, he he knew me through social circles and he was like i'm building a, a set of uh, uh, payment product here so why don't you come and join the ship uh, so as yes very much excited and I, when i went there it was building from ground up uh, we had some limited uh, uh, core offerings as a platform but payment products were new so uh, uh, as as i do in my uh, every every uh, new opportunity whether it is within the companies or when i change jobs maybe a uh, 60 90 and uh, uh, 90 plus days road map i try to understand more about the product in first uh, 30 60 days then in next 90 days i want to try and, and understand more about the company as a whole the other adjacent offerings and once i'm comfortable there i get into the uh, understanding of how the customers work here i mean how the customers are impacted how the company work towards that so typical abc is understand achieving the understanding of the customers then building some synergies so i try to first uh, build uh, or contribute to some small features and then some next 90 days would be build some uh, some some uh, product or some major feature and then start lastly start building processes so that the impact is much more higher uh, in terms of aligning the skill sets and uh, building the ship together uh, we were hiring pretty crazy at that time and just then pandemic started happening so we were like 
on a directionless boat for a couple of weeks, I, I would say. But my leadership was pretty strong and they uh, quickly realigned as to what are the next things that we, we, we want to do. Incidentally, I was also uh, uh, helping my team to start our uh, uh, global development center back in India. So that was another challenge that you cannot travel there, you cannot meet people there, but we had some key resources who were helping us towards that. So finding the right fit was always a challenge uh, we relied heavily on references and then we had some uh, planned uh, uh, assessments that we would be looking for uh, in our next uh, captains or leaders uh, or engineers okay okay awesome um and if i'm not mistaken with with Wampley, you're in the in the b2b space right yeah um so as a as a b2b company um I'd love to kind of get your perspective on how do you how do you differentiate your product offering when there's so many other like B2B applications that are available in the market? Um, yeah. How do you do that at Wampley or how do you do that in general? Yeah, yeah. Most of my career I have been into B2B, but Wampley is a unique case. It's a SMB platform. So Adam's Cafe, who is around the corner, they are our typical customers. Uh, so uh, in this case, it is B2B, but it is it has a flavor of B2C as well because the customer here is kind of uh, a consumer customer. But it's, incidentally, it's an application or a platform for businesses. So um, uh, and and this is a really a complex one because even at PayPal or prior to PayPal and my Seagate or other city bank all those consultancy experiences there is always your competition that would be giving similar offering and off i think what differentiates is the way you treat your customers in because uh, the uh, uh, again quoting from a hard drive example it is going to be a hard drive it is going to have same capacity if you compare the technicality them but the kind of experience that you give to your customers in terms of everything right from onboarding them make them use your product and while using the product how do you support them and post usage of product maybe in terms of billing uh, some queries some customer success issue so that is a differentiating factor where i can always try to make something unique or make sure that i get that delighted feedback or experience from the customer mm -hmm. okay um and uh at wampley at, at um you know, do you guys went and created your own infrastructure, right, uh, in order to service the the client base, but not not everybody always has that privilege or the capital to go and yeah. you know create this um, foundation for them. Um, what you know, what can or should you do differently as a product leader when you don't have access um, to that type of a capital? Uh, yeah, it's funny you ask Aram these things now because things and technology has changed so, so much. Uh, again, coming back to my point of customer services, even the giants like Amazon, they have made it so easy for people to access and utilize their framework. Uh, so, uh, yes, when you are scaled up, then you have some funds, you have some, uh, the, the budget issues are taken care of and you can play around it but uh, i always talk with my friends who are founders who are in seed stage and something so one of the pain points where they say that hey when i started the idea then aws was offering it as free and then 
when I reached certain uh, youth age, then they would start billing me. So until I came to that point, I was kind of okay. I was being taken care of, but now I am at a usage where they will start uh, offering me or charging me and I still don't have funds. So it's a tricky problem. And uh, I, I always look at uh, any uh, any problem by solving it if structurally. So I, I took a two or three, uh, I take two or three fanged uh, uh, approaches, I would say. Uh, uh, one, I would try to be thrifty when I had, I don't have budget. I will try to see, can I modularize me and each modular can, uh, each model can be acted as separately, et cetera, et cetera. So I'll try to be as thrifty as possible. I would have limited releases. I would have limited uh, functionalities. I would try to focus more on MVPs than on the scale. Second approach, I would take, okay, if that is not going to work out, then I would have to try to do some barter, like, okay, I need my heavy infrastructure right now. So what is it that I can, I can probably compromise? Uh, probably I have to uh, work some extra hours with my teams and compensate in terms of resources by hiring less people or something. But it is going to be just that phase of the company where you need to have the all hands. So I'll try to do, do the bartering. And third one is obviously I'll focus on solving the key issue, which is related, if it is related to budget and all those things. So, uh, and of course, in, in, uh, in general, apart from this structured approach, uh, I always see that there are people who are willing to help you in terms of there may, might be some startups who might be giving you some trial version which may not be as rich in features uh, compared to amazon's and google's offering but they might help you so you should always keep an eye on such offerings such of uh, partnerships of symbiosis or synergies that you can build around okay yeah i mean there's also a, a ton of different kind of um startup programs or startup credits that are available yeah um like aws for one um so there's there's always options right yeah 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 um great okay um next question i have is really about product development so um you know you you mentioned um you know being thrifty and you know trying to use like certain tactics when you're in a you know in, in this situation but specifically with product management what are the steps in a journey of building a product that you often see being skipped? Um, and what are the results, do you think, of, of those things being um, passed over on? Uh, product management as a art or science, if you look at it both ways, I think uh, it has certain structure. And uh, this, the field of product management is pretty mature now. People are, if not anything, people are doing every day some innovations. So if you, I, if I look into that structure, uh, it's hard to skip those structure. But there are some minute steps uh, within structure people tend to forget. So uh, one example is when I look at uh, uh, building a new product or in a new offering, I always start with as anyone other i always like think about customer problems now the customer problems uh, are such that you should have to build your solutions addressing key addressing three uh, key needs of uh, customer and those can be categorized it can be an emotional hey i will feel better if you change it, change the product or solve it it can be as simple as give me a button give me some feature etc etc it can be a cognitive need which is like hey i know i am especially in the b2b space that happens you are users of your product are 
well uh, uh, equipped or well uh, uh, well trained uh, users it's not like a consumer product where every uh, any sam harry can use it here it is someone who knows the trade who knows the who knows the details about the product or they have some technical engineering or business background there so they are cognitive so i want to understand my i want you to un help me understand it better by doing x and y and z though that, that that's another need and third one is more of a function it is specifically use case like okay i am operating in this way how do you solve this so uh, thinking from the customer's problem uh, uh, thinking for the customer's problem from these particular angles is uh, is a skill that you acquire over time you cannot get it in some course or something so you have to be always uh, brainstorming yourself uh, see what you did and learn from it that is one thing second thing that people probably they don't do it on purpose but miss as you said is giving customer a full control and transparency of the users for example we are in fintech space right so um, everybody knows that a credit card offering will uh, will have some something called as apr and all and everybody uh, 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 advertises their products as hey this card is going to be uh, free for you no monthly or no yearly fee etc apr is going to be zero for promotional period etc etc and that's it people stop at that that point but you have to make sure that yes there are other parts of fees for example there can be when the promotion expires what are the fees what is the apr there can be other parts like in case of some fraud or disputes or chargebacks in the specific uh, b2b space what would be the uh, penalties what would be, what will be the uh, some of the fees that you will uh, have if there are any scheduled payments that are going to happen if you miss them what are those so basically remove the middleman and the uh, expensive fees those are another uh, few tactics giving them the full transparency right from day one there are mm -hmm. few more but probably to begin with we can uh, we can stop at this okay okay and um um the, the the pms that you have on your team or even you know previously in your last role what did you see that they were doing wrong uh or even with your current team now that they need to start doing differently like right away uh, uh i won't say that they are doing it wrong because that's kind of a strong way to say that but uh, probably i would say uh, 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 there are some things that even i sometimes in the flow of the work miss one of that is uh, i have seen uh, uh, good pms bringing the user feedback very late they probably uh, 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 start with like okay i want to solve this problem and i want to build it and uh, personally i am more of a you know man of as they say man of action <laughs> uh, uh, with a hacker mentality i am i start like okay let me build it okay if it is not possible on production i'll work with my devops to get a pseudo product pseudo environment set up and start building something a scrappy screen no buttons etc 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 everything assumed and something uh, but when I'm doing this, uh, knowingly or unknowingly, the engineer in me, he creeps up and he thinks about solving the problem technically, performance, scale, use cases, corner edge cases. Whereas the user need can be as simple as, hey, you know what? I'm finding it very hard to locate a file on my desktop and upload it here. Why don't you integrate it automatically? Something like that. Right. So so, so those are bringing the users, uh, user feedback into development process right from the beginning or very early is an, a key thing. 
And so it's a great point. And so just a question for you then on that. How do you go about doing, uh, I'm sorry, how do you go about getting user feedback earlier on in the process? Is it you go through um, a clickable prototype on Figma? You know, how do you capture things before investing time and money into building out and, you know, spending a lot of like engineering yeah. time? Yeah. Uh, again, uh uh, my heavy emphasis would be doing a good product research, a good market research. And I think that's, that would fall mostly into your arena as a product manager, because that's where product managers are. Sometimes you have to work with your marketers or market researchers. Like at big companies, you have those uh, dedicated resources who are well-equipped, access to resources, uh, paid resources, etc. But typically in startups, that's not always the case. So you have to rely on uh, talking to your network, talking to uh, people who, who, who you think might be. So in, in my experience at my current job, there have been incidences where I I didn't have anyone in the company. I didn't have in, anyone in my first level of networking. So I worked with my uh, CEO to give me some references from his uh, uh, reference, uh, from his uh, network that I can talk with. Incidentally, my uh, CPO, he once gave me point of contact of one person who had once interviewed with Wampley, but for whatever reason, he didn't join, but he was still in touch with RCPO. So that was a good one. Like, and that person was gracious to help something. Okay. Okay, great. Um, before we jump into the fireside questions, which uh, mm -hmm. we'll get to in a second. Last question. I want you to uh, tell us about your experience, if, I, if I'm not mistaken, that you had with um, Olympus, the <laughs> photography company. Yeah. Um, and why was it so hard? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Olympus was uh, uh, the the photography company is is how we know them, but they had an industrial microscope division, so it was an image processing software we were developing with them. Uh, the hardest part in that entire experience was it was geography and cultural difference. It was a Japanese client, and within Olympus as a camera company, there are. They, it is globally well known, but this division of industrial microscope was specifically working in a not even uh, in the in the uh, main uh, cities of to Tokyo. It was in some suburb <laughs> around around Tokyo. So the hardest part there was I had very less uh, uh, English speaking people working with me there, and mm. I had some people who were. Uh, bilingual in my team i personally was not and majority of my team was not so speaking with them with the language barrier was prevalent this is something we were talking around 2007 8 time frame so there was okay. technology was not advanced we didn't have smartphone we didn't have translation app even google didn't have that translate page back then um, or it was not that mature that it would uh, it might have helped us uh, that translate the Japanese script into English and all those vice versa or even the screen sharing or recording was not possible so I could share the screen and show them so everything was written on plain documents or mm. emails so there were very funny um, incidences that I remember once I was showing some something on screen uh, like in person to a Japanese uh, customer of ours and I was showing them and I was doing as basic as I could like with maximum gestures click here, talk this, take this, those kind of. And for some reason, the Japanese counterpart that or the bilingual person in my team, he had to step out. And it so happened that the Japanese customer asked me literally four times, 
show me it again show me it again show me it again i was not sure what's going on i had a engineer who was uh, obviously young and that's why very much uh, action oriented he was he he, uh, he he whispered in my ear like if he asks me one more time i'm going to <laughs> i'm going to run away from here something like that and then the our translator came in and he he explained what he wanted so what we were doing we were showing him uh, open cv based algorithm which he knew of because open cv is pretty mature algorithm <laughs> he said yeah. he was he was trying to show uh, ask us like show me something that you are doing on your own <laughs> but all he knew was like show me show me show me and he couldn't put his thoughts in english <laughs> <laughs> oh wow okay yeah i mean communication and uh, with different cultures and languages is just such a such yeah. a hard thing to overcome all right yeah, yeah, yeah. um cool thanks for sharing the story all right fireside questions so the format is um try to answer it in like a minute or less all right um so the first question i have is um what should product managers start doing tomorrow to ship better product understand more about their users involve uh, uh, the all the stakeholders like specifically the designers who people bring in uh, along with your core engineers and always think about uh, what can go wrong okay i always think prepare for wrong. that all right good i like that um what about uh, next question is what aspects of product development money can't fix Oh, this is going to be an emotional one. I would say the sense of uh, camaraderie or uh, the the ownership or the loyalty between the team is something that you cannot get on any budget. Hmm. The loyalty within the team. Within the team, towards the product, towards people, anything. But okay. A, a general like they should have uh, an affinity a positive oscillation that yes i want to do this with this set of people okay okay ah, good all right um this is always like an interesting one i get different types of points of view on but at what point if any do you ask your users what they want you to build and and like and when not to do that when not to do that is tricky um i would say have as much as multiple touch points to talk to your users pre post during uh when not to do that is uh, uh i uh, i i would have find it very hard earlier in my career because everything you do is for some customers or some users but over time i have realized that there are uh, use cases uh, there are special use cases especially in the area of ai and machine learning where uh, the touch point of product is very less or touch point of people is very less and the automation is taking place at that point probably uh, you do not want to confuse your users by giving them too much details and taking their feedback into doing something which is happening more at the framework level or at the base level of your product as opposed to a layer that is closer to the customer okay excellent um this one's interesting. At what point can you throw money at a product problem? Oh, it depends. Like who is throwing money? Throwing the money? Or like if I'm the CEO, then I would throw as late as possible. But if I'm a, on the engineering side, on the product side, I would, I would need it right on day one. But I would say that um, after you have your MVP successfully uh, working end to end, uh, then 
it's a matter of like okay now i want to build this systematically in a scaled up version and that's the time you should ask for funding mm -hmm. okay perfect um what do you believe that other people think is insane I can do it. That is that is my attitude on any 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 difficult task. Like I I remember there was one uh, hard project that we had, and I was working with uh, someone in the team. And uh, I, being a product manager, I'm not that deep into the uh, intricacies of engineering language or something. And similar was the other product manager that I was working with, and he and I were struggling. There was some deep issue in the code base which i had a mix of python jquery and all so and it was like a fire situation i would say we were like at 11 o'clock in the night we both were on call and i was like let's let's do it let's do it we have to do it so he said even you don't know these skills i don't know how can we do it i said we don't have any option we can't wait for an engineer to come in the morning let's deep dive into it and so he, he he appreciated that i i, I understand your enthusiasm to, uh, towards it but probably at at this point, we are really limited. So I think my my attitude is always like, okay, I'll do it, I'll do it. Don't worry, I'll do it. And sometimes I, it is like putting your own foot in your mouth. You think about, okay, now how do, how I do it? Yeah, that's uh, that's always a hard one when you when you commit and uh, yeah, you got you gotta your word is your bond. You gotta you gotta follow through on it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, last question. Um, what would be your advice? to yourself, to your 30 year old self, knowing everything you know now? Even professionally, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, I would say, uh, build relationships within your company or your corporate ecosystem is very important. Back in the, uh, when I look at younger myself, I was more zealous in terms of, hey, I want to do something great. I want to focus on this. I don't want any distraction and all. Whereas over time, I have realized that in a, and typically in a corporate career, you have to work with a lot of people. So the more friends, more acquaintances you have in different parts of the ecosystem, it helps you to accelerate your work. So I would, I would focus on that. <laughs> Building relationships. Okay, perfect. Um, okay, that's that was that was my last question. Um, thank you so much uh, for your time today. I, I really enjoyed having you on our show. Um, and always thank you to our listeners for supporting the show and tuning in all the time. Um, it was uh, it was a pleasure. <laughs> <laughs>